0: Because you have a burning desire to get the absolute most out of life. To starve your fears, to follow your dreams, and to realize your true potential. And we are going to do that together. This is The Andy Storch Show. Let's go. Welcome to The Andy Storch Show.
1: Andy, I'm glad to be welcome.
0: Are you ready to starve your fears?
1: I'm ready, man. And I'm, I'm glad you have a whole podcast
0: dedicated to starving fears. God. That's what the show is all about. So I, Chuck, you and I met at the Growth Now Movement Live conference that uh, our friend Justin Shank put on up in Reading, Pennsylvania. And it's actually kind of funny because I had I met Justin at a conference and then had him on this show. And then as I was interviewing him and he was talking about his conference, when it ended, I thought, I got to go to that. I know I'm going to meet some great people there. And so I went and bought a yeah. ticket afterwards. And sure enough, I met a lot of great people, including you. You gave a, uh, a, a keynote talk there, the closing keynote actually. And you talked a lot about fear. And when I heard that, I was like, I got to get this guy on the podcast, went over and talked to you. And, uh, we've been following each other on social media ever since then. Yeah. It's and it's fun. been, it's been, it's been fun leading up to this. I think you're the
1: coolest guy that, uh, that, that I've been following this year, you know, uh, and, and that's the thing, you know, when I met you at the event, I thought, my God, this is the coolest guy. I would say if there was a coolest guy award, a guy who's way outside the box. When I first met you, I thought this, this guy is almost created, you know, there's a, there's a book I read a while back about alter ego, Uh
0: you
1: know, and you know, it's, it's, it's what high performance athletes do or performers before they go into the moment, you know, I've heard about that. They clap the hands, or they blink, or they say a certain thing, and and I'm in I'm in I'm in the game now, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, you know, we want to be authentically ourselves on and off the court, but there is something said for when it's time to be in performance mode. When I met you, I was like, "This is a guy who's stuck in performance mode. Like this is who he is." I knew it right away. Yeah. I was like, he just he dreamed up his best self. And he talked himself into it, maybe with years of affirmations.
0: Yeah.
1: You just, you took yourself up to this amazing, interesting level. And uh, it's just, it's fun. Everything you do seems to be at that level, you know? Oh,
0: man. I really appreciate that, Chuck. Especially because I know that you are the same. And when I saw you on stage with, I mean, you had so much energy (laughs) and, the way you went after, you know, your life and your, your fears. And I want to talk about that. Um, I think that I have created for this, this for myself. And it's sometimes we forget to look back at where we came from because things you're saying, you know, when I think back to the way I was in say high school, when I was a really shy kid with five friends and I was scared of everything. Wow. Wow. It just like, if you would have said, Hey, one day you're going to be hosting this show. I didn't know what a podcast was back then. But, you know, and, and this big time speaker who's been speaking in front of 100,000 people is going to tell you he's the coolest guy you met at the conference because you are living this life of like starving all your fears. I wouldn't have believed it. It's amazing.
1: It is amazing. It is amazing what, what we can do with our lives with massive intentionality and consistency and With the right influences, how far we can go? I said to an audience just a few weeks ago. I said I am at the belief right now that if you have enough years ahead of you and enough years, there's probably there's probably not a dream that's enormous enough that it would take you more than ten years from right now if you had the right path. Yeah, and I, I think that pretty much whatever you want in life is within reach. You know. And uh, and it's amazing where you are right now. Like you said, you look back and you say, "I'm, I'm the same way, Andy." Yeah. Um, I, I I did. You know, I said in the talk there at Growth Now, um, there were many years like I couldn't stand to look at myself in a camera. I felt like I walked like uh, like I don't know. Just you know, I have no butt. You know, I I feel like I was <laughs> slouching. I feel like my voice sounds dumb when I talk. Can't dance. And I had to go. Can't dance. Now <laughs> I can. Yeah. and face that fear.
0: I want to but, go I want to go back to where, where did you come from? Because I didn't know anything about you. I'd never, never heard of you, never met you before that conference. And I just, like I said, I loved your energy and, and what you talked about. It sounds like you've done a lot of awesome things. But where did you come from? How did you become the man you are now?
1: God, that is such a big question for me. Just as big as it would be for you, right? right. I yeah. mean, I, I don't know. When I look back, I'm trying to pick highlight reels. Um, I, I started out, I mean – probably just like anybody else, probably things I can't necessarily talk about yet in life, you know, but I had, uh, I had lots of challenges, you know, I had, I was loved as well, but I also had lots of challenges. And so I grew up, I mean, I was really depressed as a teenager. Everyone thought, God, this guy is just, I would bring life to everyone else was so depressed inside. I was kind of broken. My programming was really broken and I was down on myself and I learned how to over critique myself. I was taught to do that. And, um, And so I had lots of empathy, and people were drawn to that. But I had so much empathy. I had so much care for everyone else and so much, um, I guess, of an awareness of my own flaws that it was just tragic in my early years. And so I'm the guy that had to talk myself into believing in my greatness. And I thank God, you know, there's there's several things. I mean, one is just my wife. I, I married the right person. She was 17. I was 19. I married the right person and, you know, probably just like you, I, I was trying multi-level marketing, this and that, and I was getting into sales and I had notebooks. I was calculating, yeah. I to make $1,000 this year and I'll make $200,000 next year. And, and then, you know, I would not even come close to that goal and, and then I would pitch something else to her, but she kept on believing. She never once said, God, man, you and your dreams. It was always, every single time it was like, I believe you're going to do it. Oh, this is it. You're gonna," And it's just like, how did I luck into somebody like that, right? I mean, my relationship with God's a big deal. Um, I went from being a guy who was probably agnostic, and then I, then I believed in God, you know, pretty early on. And th- that changed. There was a huge transformation in my mind and my actions, my values, and I was a real, just, just a serious alignment. My faith has a real big deal with, with grounding me just where I am right now. And then, you know, uh, Mike Ferry, I got into real estate when I was 25 years old. I went to a Mike Ferry conference and then hired, hired him. He was offering coaching, it was a brand new thing. I remember I forked out a thousand bucks a month on my American Express Platinum, and uh, I couldn't afford it. But it was the best investment I ever made in my life, and you know, proximity is power. I put myself in a circle of the best of the best. I learned, I would travel to people's offices to figure out how it's going, and I just, uh, I, I just learned that anything I pursue, there are processes, there are systems, and if I learn those, there are skills, but if I develop those and they don't take long to learn, you can master pretty much anything, you know? And I don't know. I just uh, started speaking. I decided at some point I wanted to be, I don't know, I don't want to sound prideful in this, but I, I, I just decided I want to influence people and, and, and change them with my words, stand in front of thousands of people and just say things that cause them to take the right actions and go forward. So I said, if I'm going to do that, I want to be best in the world at this. So I started really investing in myself and learning, reading books I mean, there were a couple of years where every, I mean, I just read every single book I can get my hands on, you know, from script writing, storytelling, you know, the the science side of speaking, the art side of speaking, and, you know, uh, tried things and failed and got better and had some good talks and bad talks, and they just kept getting better and better. And here I am today, you know.
0: And you, you're not just giving talks at uh, growth, like small conference, like small events where we were, which I think was about a hundred people. But you also showed a picture of how you've given this talk in South Africa, I think in a stadium in front of a hundred thousand people. Is that right?
1: Yeah. You know, and you know, of course, when you're in a third world country and you, there's a language barrier and you're speaking with a, with a interpreter or a translator and you, uh, you know, you when you're standing on a platform like that and you're looking out and you can barely see an eyeball, um, sometimes it's less intimidating than when you're at growth now. And you're, say you're in a room full of, um, you know, the types of people who are right in front of you. you know? yeah. and, and, uh, and so, um, yeah, each crowd has its, has its challenge. Um, right. But you know, you're talking about overcoming fears, just one little tip, you know, maybe this doesn't make it into the actual end product here. Uh, but one tip that I always tell speakers, um, whenever I feel overwhelmed with, uh, you know, stepping out onto a platform, I always realize, I don't know if it's like this for you, I always realize the only reason I feel that way is because I've overfocused on myself and what this means to me. Interesting. As soon as I shift the attention over into the audience, you know, rule number one in speaking, know your audience. As soon as I shift my attention to the audience, and it, it, let's say I'm in the Mandela Stadium and I look out and I go, who are these people? What are their challenges? What's their average income? What are their fears? You know, what is life like for them every day? You know, and you start thinking about them. You go, "What can I say in 40 minutes or an hour, whatever the time frame is, that can move the needle forward for them?" And what kind of victory can I create for their lives? And I take all the attention off myself; all fear just goes away. Doesn't matter what the moment is.
0: You know? Yeah. Interesting. I haven't I hadn't heard that that tip before. It makes complete sense, and I agree with you. By the way, I have done a little bit of speaking, a lot of facilitating uh, all over the world the last nine years, and. I find the bigger the audience, the less nervous I get. It's when I'm doing those, those really intimate sessions, especially if it's a, like a practice run in front of five people or three colleagues, I get so nervous because it's like right there, judgment, feedback, they're gonna give it to me, right? There's no, there's no hiding, um, and so I've, I've definitely dealt with that. I know it's the opposite for some people. And then I, I think you're right, when we get really nervous, we're a, we're thinking about, well, what are they going to think of us? What are they, how are they going to judge me? And B we're thinking about ourselves instead of thinking about, well, I'm gonna, I know I'm going to give all I can for this audience. What do they want? What do they want to get out of it. If I give a lot of value, then it's going to be fine. Uh, but we're often thinking too much about ourselves.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, when you talk about fear, helping people face their fears, I don't know how many public speakers you have in your audience. I would assume business people need to know how to speak in front of an audience. And I would assume that it's a dream for a lot of people. Yeah, Um, I haven't done a lot of talking about, I mean, I do a professional speaker training and, but I would say, you know, when you, when you talk about getting to a certain level, I mean, it's, it's every speaker's dream to speak in a stadium. Mm-hmm. Especially packed out stadium. I mean, first year I spoke in a stadium. I mean, it's it's a long story how it came about. But yeah. first time I spoke in the stadium, they were expecting sixty thousand people, and it turned out that the president. It was an election year, and the president decided that he was coming to the event. So news got out; they had to get me there almost by helicopter. They weren't even sure they could get me to the meeting huh. on time, and we we got there like seven hours early. Before I would speak, because they were afraid of traffic, because word got out, and. They ended up, the newspaper said the next day they estimated 120,000 people. I mean, they were, they were standing outside the stadium, circling the stadium. I mean, they couldn't get in. Wow. And, but you know, an event like that, I mean, I think there's a logical progression up that we all take. Whether it's, you know, you do a startup and you do okay with that, and you've learned from that, and you do another startup, it's, it's all about courage. It's dreaming, it's strategy, it's execution. You do it again dreaming, dreaming, strategy, execution. What skills am I lacking? you know, it's adjusting my approach. It's getting better. And you never stop. You never get discouraged. You fail and you learn from that. And I know for me, um, I was going to be speaking in Los Angeles at the largest, you know, venue in the United States that I've ever spoken in. And it's a legendary building. It looks like the Roman Coliseum. It's a, it's a historic. Yeah, you're talking
0: building. about the, the Coliseum in LA. I've been in that stadium. Yeah.
1: No, it's not that Coliseum. No, it's, it's not that Coliseum. This would be this was back in the 1920s when it was built. It was the largest, tallest building in North America by technicality. It had a radio tower on it that made it like the tallest. And now it's a historic landmark. It's called Angelus Temple. It's You should see it. It's unbelievable. And I was going to be speaking there. And I kind of felt like, you know, I got invited because I just connected with the founder, not not the founder that launched the first thing in that building, but the guy who was actually you know, is leading the movement inside of that building. Now I met him on Facebook. I mean, on Twitter, just, a, just, I tweeted him out, Hey, both of our books are publishing and they're similar. And then he tweets me back and we weren't even following each other. I couldn't even inbox him. It was just, you know, we become friends. And then next thing you know, I'm speaking there. And I remember the whole time I'm like, okay, I got to knock it out of the park. This is the best talk I've ever done in my life. You know, and the, all the pressure was on me and, and, and I was starting to feel so anxious. And I said to myself, you know, I need to I need to I have a limiting belief right now and it's destroying me so I wrote it down I said what is the truth here the truth is this is a move I'm already ready to make I'm I am prepared for this moment I don't have to perform over my head to be good an average chuck in this moment is good enough this Mm. does not need to be the best talk I've ever given it just needs to be me yeah in that range of worst to best it needs to be me. And I took all the pressure off of me. Yeah, And now I've been, gosh, I don't know how many times I've spoken there and developed friendship and, and actually have helped raise lots of money for that organization. It's uh Los Angeles Dream Center in there. I mean, it's probably, they probably have the largest homeless facility in the world. They have 750 people at night living there, getting a new start in life. It's amazing what they do for Los Angeles. And then the same thing with the stadium. You know, I remember the first time, I looked at my wife and we're sitting in the gallery and they introduced me and I, I, I could hear my name. It's the only English word I can hear. I'm like, oh crap, here I go. And I took a deep breath and I looked at her like I was going to pass out. And I remember the stadium went silent and I'm walking and there's a long way to the podium. And then I stand there and I, and I, and I just yell out my first phrase and I get a little bit of a response. And I think to myself, God, I'm, this is going to swallow me alive. But I think there's something in all of us and your entire audience. There's that the dream pulls us forward. And we're willing to do whatever it takes to face the butterflies in our stomach. And to some degree, we're just, whether it's launching a new product. Yeah. I've seen people with more fear than I had in the stadium launching a brand new product and just learning Kajabi and like posting their first video, right?
0: Yeah, we see it all the time. And I think it's interesting that as much speaking as you've done, or I assume you've done based on everything you say, you, you still get fear in these situations. And I, and I think it's important to remind people that, you know, fear never really goes away. Courage is not the absence of fear. It's facing that fear, looking at it and saying, yes, I am scared to go up there right now, but I'm going to go up there and do it. And it's going to be the Broke best.
1: Now I took a break. I wanted to be present for all the other speakers. I took a break. There wasn't much of a break before I spoke. I went up to my room. I took my clothes off because I didn't want to sweat real bad before I went out to speak, right? So I'm in my underwear, no shirt, my wife's sitting on the bed. And I'm not in the best shape of my life right now, so it's not like, hmm, beach body. (laughs) Um, And I danced that wow dance from Post Malone in the room. I was going so hardcore. I'm pouring sweat. Put my clothes back on and I go out there. And yeah, the fear the fear in that moment of dancing for my first time in front of people. Um, but it took me to another level. And, yeah. you know, this is the first time I'm talking about it publicly since the event. Yeah, I'm actually exactly. dressed in the shirt I wore that night. You
0: know? and, oh, nice. Well, let's take a step back for a second. For people that weren't at uh, the yeah. Growth Now Movement event, you came up on stage and started dancing with uh, – Justin had hired these professional dancers yeah. musicians who had been performing throughout, and you were up Excellent. on stage dancing with them. And then you said that you, two, your two biggest fears were actually uh, arachnophobia, so fear of spiders that everybody's uh, familiar with. There was even a movie by the same title 20 years ago yeah. and this fear of dancing in public and that that was the first time you had done that and, uh, and it was great. It was, it was awesome and I, I was really <laughs> struck by that.
1: Yeah, arachnophobia. It's funny. Somebody said, so did you ever pick the spider up? So I bought a spider from the pet store. I spent about a hundred bucks on a cage in the spider, brought it to the event and it was fun giving him away. I gave him like a Spider-Man songs from the spider verse. You,
0: you gave know, him, you, you asked who wanted to, who wanted to take it. And my, uh, my good friend, Vincent Puglase, went up and grabbed him for his son. Vince has been on the side.
1: picture. He said he's been bitten a few times and yeah. you know, his son had a picture of the spider on his shoulder, you yeah. know? And, but yeah, you know, so they, they asked me, so did you ever face your fear of the spiders? And I said, my fear of spiders is not preventing me from anything I want in life. Yeah. And so, no, I didn't touch the spider. I gave it away. But the fear of dancing was holding me back mm. in social settings. I would become the worst version of myself when people were dancing. I would
0: shrink. I would shrink. So basically you're at like I, a wedding or some other type of party and, and everybody's most people are dancing and then you, you get consumed with so much fear and nervousness about it that someone's going to make yeah. you go up there that you become the worst version of yourself.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Hide. And you know, you just think to yourself, you know, I, I just was like, I need to finally face this. And I know my personality that if I ever learned to dance, I'd probably love it more than anyone else. Yeah, be to the stars one day. Right. But I hid behind that fear all my life. And so I did that talk to say to everyone, I'm facing my biggest fear. And I stood in front of those people for the first time anyone has seen me dance. Wow. And I did it there in a professional setting. And in, in an event, which by the way, I, I know you've already talked about it, I'm sure. I mean, Justin Shank crushed it yeah. in that event. Now he's got the next one coming up next year. I
0: already got my ticket. Such a great cover. Growth, Growth Now Movement Live. Check it out. We'll put it What a an event.
1: In, in the energy there. from yeah. beginning to end was just dynamo, right? Yeah. And so there was intimidation. I mean, um, there's a lot of
0: energy in that room. Yeah.
1: Just it, it changed my life. It took my, you know, uh, story brand, Dominic Miller says there's two uh, qualities that, you know, basically separate, you know, the losers from the winners. And uh, he said authority and empathy when it comes to storytelling, your brand. And your authority is based on so many factors. Empathy, I went all day long there. I care about people. I mean, I generally care about people. Authority, what is going on in my life that's blocking some of my authority? And it's something as little as, as dancing. Was reducing my authority, and now I've overcome it.
0: So that was your first time. First time people have seen Never. you dance. And and how old are you, Chuck? Could I ask you?
1: Yeah, I'm 48.
0: 48 first years time. old. So I imagine. I mean, you 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 seem like a very connected guy. You've probably been to many weddings, like I have. Did yeah. you, you avoided dancing at all of those?
1: And I had a groom one time that tried. He stepped over the line and he pulled. He grabbed my hand and pulled, <laughs> was pulling me out. And I'm and you know I'm one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Yeah. I mean. I think I'm a kind someone, person. Someone right? tries to
0: drag you on the dance floor.
1: <laughs> I almost hit that guy out of just reaction. That's how fearful I was. When I say I had the fear of dancing, um, I, I can't imagine there are very many people that had it on my level. Yeah. And, and, and I think that it represents, so here's, here's the idea, right? The idea is that the wide range of people in your audience today there's probably a fear they're hiding behind. And then oh, everybody they don't even,
0: has a fear that's holding them right? back for sure.
1: And I have found, because I'm in consulting just like you are, one-on-one in masterminds,
0: yeah.
1: and I have found that if you, were to, if you were to say to me, tell me the one factor, just one, the one factor that separates the people who are, who jump from 100,000 to 250 to 500,000 to a million to millions mm-hmm. the one factor that distinguishes them without a doubt it is they take massive and fast action they're fearless and everyone talks about it i i i talk i've talked about it a whole lot I just think that if there's one thing you can give to people, it's the gift of, well, what is it that you really want in life right now? Because I think a lot of people are going, well, I got fear about pursuing this dream. Okay, well, let's start with the dream. Is that something you really want? Right. Well, yeah, I think it is. Oh, well, you think it is? You know, I told the story about it. I, I wanted to summit Everest one day. And then I just realized one day I was doing a, a study on it for a talk I was giving. And I realized it. It's probably going to take me about 10 years to get in the right condition. I've got to summit qualifying mountains first. Mm -hmm. You know, um, then I'm going to risk my life and and I want to be an influencer. And and I just realized, wow, why do I want to summit Everest? Because it was on a bucket list template. And that's not my dream. So your dreams need to be your dreams. What do you want to do? Do you really want to build this business or you just haven't found it yet? Do you need more clarity? Because if you know what you want… And then when it comes to clarity, if you're still nervous and you're still not taking an actual step forward and you're still talking about what you were talking about two years ago, I think you probably haven't broken it down to a small enough step that you can actually take. You haven't figured out what's the next step. The next step is still going to require a stretch. And I always like to tell the story where I'm from. We have a lot of rivers and cliffs and we do cliff jumping out here, you know, and I admit that sometimes I stand there at the edge of the cliff too long sometimes. And I need somebody to go, okay, all right, they're down in the bottom. They've already jumped. And they've they've jumped and they've landed with gainers and double flips. And I'm just standing there. All I'm going to do is just jump and land on my feet. And they're, they're down there going, all right, come on. Come on, Dad. Come on, Chuck. One, two, three. And I feel like I almost jumped. And I think a lot of people are there in life where they're almost jumping. They almost need somebody behind them to either shove them over the edge, or to keep counting. I don't want to be the guy that counts. Good. There's a, there's something in, there's an urgency when you say three. You know, it's like one, two. You know, you're smiling at them. Right. Three. Three. It's it's yeah. in the three. Getting people to face their fears and take action. Yeah. Put yourself out there. Talk to somebody. Yesterday, say, I, I want to be a writer. Start a blog yeah, I'm going to one of these days. Oh Gotta man, take an action. the yeah. voice of Yoda, you know, don't try. Don't still say you're gonna, what are you going to do? I had a friend of mine, Ren Jones. He's, he's, he invented, uh, he, he launched uh, Vulcan seven, which is like arguably the greatest real estate software ever made. And uh, Ren used to say to me all the time, he's like, I talked to Ren, he was just taking action. His company's going, you know, from million to millions, and he's just going on and on, and and he's like, "Hey, so what are you doing?" And, well, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna, blah blah blah. And he'd say, "Don't think. Tell me what you're going to do. I'm, I only want to know what you're going to do." And he he's the guy that really helped me to become a person of action, because I was the guy that was talking about, well, one of these days, I'm, I think I'm going to do this, and I think I'm going to do, stop all of that. What are you going to take action on?
0: Well, and you you sound like you've been a, a person of action for. From a fairly young age, I mean, you mentioned at 25 you got into real estate. You hired a coach for a thousand dollars a month, which is a big investment, a big risk when you're early on your career. I kind of figured that out later. I'm investing a ton of myself now, and finding that it's really accelerating my growth. But a lot of people are scared to take a risk, do something like that because hey, it's a lot of money. I don't know what's going to happen with it. And I find the more and more, like you're saying, I jump in, take action, don't worry about what's going to happen, invest in myself take some risks. Um, it just continues to pay off. And it sounds like you, you started doing that pretty early.
1: Yeah. I, I think, I think, you know, probably a lot like you, uh, when I first met my girlfriend, she was 17. I'm sorry. She was 13. I was 15. My mom and dad owned an RV park in Virginia. They moved from New York to Virginia. Hmm. I was 15 years old. I was running the cash register. She came in, she was smoking hot. I mean, unbelievable. if you've seen my wife, I'm sure you're like, wow, Chuck's got a hot wife. And no, I'm just, I funny. saw
0: that. I was wondering if you paid I, her I was what?
1: The reaction, you know, from you there.
0: Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I saw her coming to the store and I
1: told my friend, I said, watch the register. I'm going out to chat, to chat with her. She was coming back to the store by the time I got out. And I just, my first words to her were, I said, Hey, I said, will you marry me? And lame pickup line. I never used it on anybody else. It wasn't a pickup line. This is the first thing I was like, my God, I want to marry this girl. Will you marry me? She says, "Sure, if I can pick the China pattern, which was the influence of her grandmother, her English Gosh. grandmother, you know, in the background, but um, I would say, you know I, I think I have a natural degree of high risk taker, you yeah. know, um, but for everyone, there's a level of you, you've got to ra- you got to raise your life up to that level of discomfort
0: and well, and, you know, and, and to really." When you see that, so when I was a young, when I was a teenager like you, I was terrified to talk to girls and I didn't, and I didn't like taking any risks. I was too scared. And when I was on that ledge and someone said one, two, three, I backed up and walked away. And mm-hmm. that's part of where this whole star of your fears thing came from. I'm reminding myself all the time. And I learned that phrase. I didn't make it up. I, I stole it from uh, Grant Cardone. He wrote about it in his book, uh, The 10X Rule. Where he said, cool. you know, you've got that fear. If you don't, if you got to starve it right away, otherwise it just keeps expanding and growing. Right. And if you stand there on that ledge and look and look and look, and you get more and more scared. It's going to become harder to do it. So I've set my intention that I'm now going to be the first one off of that, that ledge every time, you know, I'm wow. door, jumping, whatever it is, that's my goal. And that's what I've been doing for the last couple of years. And it's really served me well both literally if I happen to be with some friends in a place where we're jumping off a bridge or a cliff, which I did recently, or, you know, it's some type of business risk or, you know, whatever it is like, Hey, I'm going to invest in this thing. I'm going to go to this conference. I'm not going to hesitate. I'm just going to buy a ticket and we're going to go and see what happens. And I just find it, it just keeps paying off. It's amazing, but I have to keep reminding myself and set that intention that I'm going to do that so that I keep doing it. That's incredible. You know, it's
1: amazing. We're we're so twins. We're twins in so many ways.
0: Yeah. And except for your beard, I can't grow a beard like that. That's just.
1: Yeah, but you got a cool bicycle in the background there. I do have the bike. But you know, I think I think Andy, I would love to. I'd love to, flop the podcast back on you, uh, maybe in a phone call afterwards. I'm just I'm interested because, okay. like you said, you, uh, you you're you're you didn't have necessarily that that ability necessarily to to be like you said you, there there's a there's a there was a big difference when you jumped yeah from doing it to being the person who jumps first that's right and man there's some psychology involved there because now you're. You're not necessarily waiting for someone to prove to you that something can be done. No, you're you're, you're quicker to follow your impulses and act.
0: Yeah, and then and then you're then you know, you mentioned earlier becoming wanting to become an influencer. There's a lot of you know baggage now. I feel like around that that word, but like it's something I inspire aspire to as well. And I think when you're the first one out there, you have more ability to inspire other people to take action and and help other people starve their own fears, you know, follow their dreams. So there's a couple of things I want to ask you about. And then, you know, maybe we will flip the tables in another turn, but you, uh, you've built this business, this coaching, consulting business, speaking business. And one thing I've noticed about you uh, since I started following you since the conference, you are very active on social media. And you mentioned that you got that speaking gig uh, at that the event, the venue in Los Angeles, because you connected with the guy on Twitter. I think Justin said the same thing that you connected with him on Twitter and that ended up with you speaking at his conference. And so I'm curious, uh, it sounds like you're, that's, yeah, I don't know if that's part of your strategy. You just really enjoy it, but you do, you do a lot of stuff on social media and it sounds like that's paid off for you and helping you grow your business. So what's your, what's your general strategy around social? Cause I know a lot of people are on there. A lot of people get discouraged with it. A lot of people say it's wasting my time. You know, what's, what's your strategy?
1: You know, nobody on a podcast has ever asked me for advice on social media.
0: Boom.
1: I'm Glad that you brought it up because I have so many. Just like anyone else, I have mixed feelings about social media. On the one hand, I feel like it's um, it's sucking life out of me t- to some degree because <laughs> you saw my post a couple of weeks ago, and um, yeah. I I, uh, I sometimes I dream of going off the grid in a world where I have to walk outside and farm for my own food and light candles in my house and not have to worry about any of this, but it is the world we live in right now. And so you want to figure out how to do it where it's, it's actually helping your life and, and, and it's a, it's a a means to you changing the world. And I think I'm figuring that out. And I think, I think, a person who says I want to go off the grid is a person who needs to really take a look at how they're doing social media for a long time. Now I've needed a team and I've had a few people recruited at times to help out, but to really build a team, I, I should have, and I have the strategy for it. If you were to say, what's the biggest fear? Um, I, I just, I have a couple of big team building steps I need to take next in my life. And, and so um I think you reach a certain point that you can't do it yourself. But to answer your question, um, my strategy, and I've never said this to anyone, my strategy has always been, whatever, if this sounds like it's fabricated to make me feel good about myself, it's the truth. My strategy has always been to make a difference each day of my life. One of my affirmations for years is I make a difference for a living, right? said that to myself for years to you know I I saw the guy on the back of the garbage truck and I was following that truck and it smelled so bad and I thought I can't imagine if I have to ride on the back of that truck all day every day in the summertime and have that smell and sludge going onto my hands and make minimum wage I make a difference for a living right and I always I've always said impact is going to be how I'm going to measure my success not money not even freedom, which freedom is bigger than money for me, but it's impact. The end game is impact. So I don't want to get paid for everything I do, right? There's a big part of me. I don't want to get paid for everything, but I do want to get paid for some things. And I want, the things I want to get paid for is, first of all, are you a qualified client so that when you pay me, it's, it becomes an asset producing activity versus an expense. If you can't convert on what we're doing, then you shouldn't pay me. You should read some books. You should watch some videos. You should get some free webinars and right. get yourself to the next level. We all have to do that. Um, so um, each day when I wake up and I go into social media, I'm thinking about that. Each, how can I make comments that will make a difference in somebody's life? How can I relate with somebody and genuinely care? I, I hate spam. Um, I understand marketing and, and it's okay if you, on LinkedIn, you know, you get it on LinkedIn all day long. Hey, you know, and and people are trying to be so clever to say it in a way that I think that you're not actually, this yep. isn't automatic. And, I'm on
0: LinkedIn all day. I know exactly what you're talking
1: right? about. So it's cool. I don't have anything against people doing that, Yeah, but I think where people win and where I've won. And it is real micro and it is real manual. it is not automatic. I think the biggest wins I've had in life are face to face one on one real stuff from me, very intentional to person to a person that I've decided I want to make a difference in that person's life, and if I get nothing out of this, I've just done something great for the for the world, right for the universe, whatever and so and so, that has been gigantic for me. And the, some of the biggest connections I've had in life have come from from that. And, yeah. and I've tried it all. I, I've been as automated as it gets at times.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I did bots for a while for for this and that, and then I just realized, God, you know. Matter of fact, let me just tell you, my Twitter grew. You know, to the level it's at right now. And then I didn't work it for like two years. I, I didn't make like a single post. It was like a period of silence. And then I, then I would post something and get like one like, right? Or one heart and maybe one retweet. And I realized your social network is only as good as your intentional interaction. And, the, and I was like, man, the only way I rebuild my Twitter is that I've got to start talking to people again. I've got to start really caring about people again the audience feels that you know and i don't know uh, i don't know if that's
0: that answers your question but no what you're what you're saying and uh, you know for for reference this is someone with uh, a a pretty big following that you built and we could get into how you yeah. built that cuz i'm curious about that as well but i'm you know I'm, i just looked at twitter you have 17,000 followers i'm looking at instagram right now you have 16,000 followers uh which is absolutely huge and what you're saying is it's not about the automation and the scale and all that stuff that you build relationships and impact. It, it goes down to the, come back to those one-on-one interactions, reaching out to people, Hey, what's going on, trying to add value to people. And then it often leads to relationships, business opportunities, yeah. connections, and things <laughs> that you don't know where they're coming from until you start having those conversations. Um, and I agree with you. Although I, you know, my struggle always, of course, is especially on LinkedIn, if I'm trying to maybe sell tickets to a conference, I'm like. how do you scale this versus, It takes a lot of time to have those real conversations. But I have also built, I've made tons of friends that I've met through social media that started with those one-on-one conversations over Messenger. And then I'm lucky. I travel a lot. I'm on planes a lot. And I get to meet up with a lot of people. And then we become in person. We're real life friends. It all starts with that one-on-one conversation.
1: A real friendship with you that is based on a real interaction is worth. What is that worth to me? What is that worth to you, right? This friendship what does this actually work to us in the future? Probably a lot. And you can only add so many people to your life. And so for me, it's about really identifying. And and again, I want to, I want to underscore automation and marketing has its place. I mean, if you're selling a product or a service, I'm all about having the right funnel and, and being clever about having a process and, I understand marketing. What I'm talking about though is the very biggest moves in my life have all been manual, not automatic. Hmm. And I, I understand if you're launching something and you've got to have some, something to demonstrate your authority and you need a certain amount of, that's a tough thing to try to figure out. I need a certain, I need a certain level of clout or something like that. But I can say this. I've never purchased a follower. Not once. Um, I haven't, I've got 12,400 people on LinkedIn, um, I, I haven't done like a pile of like follow. I follow you and then you'll probably, you know, accept me. Um, I get probably 30 people following me every every day on LinkedIn. Um, but here's, here's the thing. I'll work LinkedIn for a while. This is why I'm saying it's beyond me now. I'll work LinkedIn for a while, you know, interacting with people, sending real messages, making a connection. Um, I very seldom even use the thank you very much option you know the thumbs up option i'm um, i'm i write my own replies back to people and, and i make it in a way that they know a real person just spoke to them and especially on linkedin when there's so much automation if you just if you just really connect with somebody you're real with them there's a friendship but you you've got to be able to cut through all of it to figure out who do i want to have a friendship with who yeah. do i really want to be with i don't know that's that's what's been important to that, me over the
0: I agree. That's, that's, a, that's a great strategy. The last question I'll ask you on that is because I think it's important to people to A, think about it as a strategy and B, that consider that because it is that it takes a lot of time. Because I look at what you do and I hear you talking about it. And I know that takes a lot of time. I mean, you must be devoting a few hours a day or at least a week to mm-hmm. engaging with people on social media.
1: Yes. And I think where I have failed is with inconsistency because algorithms reward consistency and where i have failed is i'll get my i'll, I'll it, I, like i'm pushing all these boulders up a hill and i'll get my instagram i'll post consistently i'll notice the algorithms are all of a sudden starting to reward me and i'm getting more likes and it's a lot, a lot easier i'm not having to do so much hashtag work and yeah and and then all of a sudden you know i'll i'll be like oh i gotta i gotta work on the other one
0: mm-hmm. but
1: i think that i think that um I think that the time involved is – I I think you have to know when to recruit people. I would say for anybody that has a brand, you and I both coach on this, I'm sure.
0: Yeah. Know know when to outsource and get help and and add to your team, whatever, right? And that that could be a lot of different things. But that's another one where you you probably got to take a leap of faith and say – Hey, I'm going to invest money. Maybe I don't necessarily have, I did that recently. I hired a VA a few months ago. Then I just took her from time to full time. I don't have a business that most people would not make that move yet considering where my business is, but I know it's going to pay off. Um, We we only have a little bit of time left. I want to, I want to make sure we give some really good value to our listeners here. And I know you coach people specifically entrepreneurs and business people on gaining clarity and vision and purpose for where they're going. Uh, I, I know a few of my listeners, at least one in particular that reached out to me this week, who's really struggling to figure out that vision and the clarity of where he wants to go, really wants to be an entrepreneur, doesn't know what to do. Uh, what are some things you can tell people? How do you gain that, that clarity or figure out that vision of like where I want to go so I can start taking action? Because without that, you, you're just kind of flailing, right? So this is going to sound cliche
1: because it's, it is, it is a, a widespread saying. Most people overestimate what they can do in a year but underestimate what they can do in five years, right? And I think wherever someone is, if you're in a nine-to-five job and you're trying to launch this thing, right, or you, you're coaching and you've got seven clients at far less than you really should be charging. Or you're coaching and you're trying to figure out how to scale and you really should be masterminding, but you're afraid because there's a new skill, there are new skills with masterminding that you have to learn. It's, you know, when you talk about gaining clarity, it is very important that you figure out what next step you need to take, right? I mean, the one thing by Gary Keller was really big about that. What is the one thing I can do this year? If I actually do this, it's going to move me forward. See, that's why I started with that quote, because a lot of people, they're trying to get the, like, I need success right now. I need a million dollars a year right now. And they can't play the game of, I'm going to be present in the moment on what I've decided is the next thing I need to do. And to decide what the next thing is, we've got to ask ourselves, you know, lots of questions. What are my values? What makes me truly happy? What makes me truly happy? That sounds so cliche. Oh, what makes me truly, what makes you truly happy? My God, it's the most important question when it comes to getting clarity. Like, well, you know what makes me truly most happy? Forget about speaking, forget about writing content, forget about all that stuff. You know what makes me truly happy? Encouraging someone. When Mm -hmm. I said to you before the call and then in the beginning of the call, when I said those things about how impressed I was with you. Yeah. I meant that there was no flattery. Flattery is a, is a selfish thing. Yeah. Flattery is is really me manipulating you saying something to get something from you. Yep. encouragement is a gift that we can give to others and it has no strings attached.
0: And it's it made just, me feel, it made me feel great. Fantastic. Right? And
1: I meant every word of it. Yeah. That's my best self. So then I say to myself, can I monetize that? But then if I monetize it, can I still give a lot of it away Yeah. and not, Feel like I have to get paid for all of it, mm-hmm. and I think we all have to walk that tightrope. Yeah. But when it comes to getting clarity, I would say for anyone in your audience, it's first of all be aware of it that you may think that you have clarity and you really don't. I've been there, and yeah, you've got to take the time to ask your. It took me about two years to get the clarity I have right now. To the point that I thought I should stop coaching because I was like, if I can't get it for myself, how can I lead other people? But I was leading other people, but I was Here's the thing, when you're 25 years old, I think it's easier to get clarity than when you're 48, especially if you've developed yourself over the years, because you've developed so many different skills, and you can go this direction and that direction, and then it becomes more difficult for you to really figure out, what do I want to spend the rest of my life doing, you know?
0: But it's also important to remember, I think we put so much pressure on ourselves to, I've got to figure out what I'm going to do with the rest of my life, that things are going to change, right? And that's okay. Uh Because it's a, you know, to quote the Beatles, it's a long and winding road, right? And it's gonna, it's going to change. You're not like Chuck. You seem to have a ton of clarity about what you're doing, what you want to do right now. At at 48, I think you said, I do as well at 39. And I guarantee that in 10 years, we'll both be doing probably different things, and we'll have this conversation again, and we'll be excited about that.
1: Yes, and that's the thing. I mean, I think you're gonna stay true to probably one thing all your life, and you're you're gonna remember back. To that child, and I love when it goes back to a childhood story. For me, I think I I don't know if I told the story of growth now. It goes back to The Greatest American Hero, that cheesy show on TV and the guy's flying around the world saving people. And I said, one of these days, I'm going to do that.
0: I'm going to get
1: a superhero suit from an alien from the sky and I'm going to fly around the world saving people. You know what? That's what I do. In a sense, I do that. And I'm going to do that the rest of my life. I am all about impact. Of the three summits of wellness, success, and impact, I'm an impact guy. I want to change the world in some great way. If I can find a way to get a Nobel Peace Prize, but not so that I can so that I can say that I did it, but that I really did something to bring peace to mankind or to, yeah. you know, help create this amazing thing for millions of people, I want to do that. That's endgame for me. So right now, I just make a difference with the few people in front of me. You know, I get as many of them as I can. And each day, I just wake up and go, How can I encourage someone? How can I encourage someone? Oh, wow. I'm in a mastermind. I'm getting paid really well to encourage people in the mastermind. Oh, I got a person in front of me, at the supermarket, I'm not going to pay anything for this, but I'm changing this woman's life. And then a lot of times the people who are really getting the biggest change from me are getting it for free. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think when it comes to getting clarity, you just, you, you just, you look a year ahead. You don't want to look too much further. Yeah. Look real far and go, I think I'd like to have this and this and this, that's the big horizon. Yeah. That keeps changing. Yeah, and then you go, what can I pursue right now?
0: Yep. And how can I start taking? And it. I say
1: this: if you want to pursue, when I wanted to shift from coaching to masterminding, which obviously, on a business standpoint, you can't scale coaching very much. I mean, how much can you charge? And then you can take a stake in the companies, and you know, there's things that you can do. But um, when you when you mastermind, you scale. When you're a consultant,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: but masterminding is not the end game for me. It's content creation. Content creation is much more scalable. And now I've got this like one year of coaching and a program. The first year, everything I'm going to try to do for you, I'm creating a program for that now, right? And it's going to change people's lives for significantly less money than paying me for a year, right? Hmm. And then where does it go from there? I don't know, yeah. right? You know, so I, I just think, but, but I, I think if you make each year count, each month count, each week count, that's what clarity is to me. It's it, what should I do right now? And it, some people can't do right now because they're too busy trying to figure out, Well, oh, I'm not sure. So I'm gonna not do anything. Yep. And, and for me, I'm like, if I need these skills. I'm going to commit to these skills right now.
0: Yep. You know? La- last question I want to ask you uh, before we start recording, you and I both talked a little bit about freedom and how that's a big goal for us. Uh, yeah. What is your definition of freedom?
1: My definition of freedom is scary because it could be really misinterpreted. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of what we do in life, um, and it's tough for me because, you know, um, there's a lot expected from the community that I'm a part of that, you know, everything I do should be from a standpoint of being a servant and that I shouldn't look out for myself. I mean, um, that I should just give away everything. I had a guy teach me one time. He said, "Chuck, if you don't monetize what you're doing, you have no control over. You you have nothing to give. You have no authority. You have no you you have no position to be able to really truly help people. And it's scary. It's scary sorting that out. If you're a values person, um, then it messes with your head to some degree. But yeah. freedom for me, I think, um, from a business standpoint, obviously, it's it's I have to." Scale. I'm actually working on a new venture right now that's so big, I can't even say what it's even connected with, Um, but I've got a partner now and it could be the biggest thing I've ever done in my life. And you want to talk about relationships. I mean, one day I wake up and I realize, Whoa, there's a quantum leap. That's, that's, that's a leap to $50 million. Boom, right there. And it's real, right? So we don't know what, we don't know what life is going to bring us, but freedom for me is time, It's being able to wake up each day and have lots of margin. I think it's the final frontier for people. Cash flow is first. You know, you got to generate enough cash flow. I keep telling people, generate enough cash flow until you can do everything you want to do and you feel like you wake up each day like you have plenty. You can give, you can, you know, you have all the things that you want and then you got to start knowing what to do with money. You hire a CPA, you start learning money, right? And then from, you know, from there, there's a level much higher than earning money and knowing what to do with it. And that is, you know, getting the exact life you want to have. It's, you know, maybe it's the four hour work week. Um, But, you know, freedom for me is lots of margin. And I've been pushing back. It's another conversation that we could have sometime in the future. But uh, I've dove in on a real micro level on what it means to get control of my schedule. And that is not an easy thing. It's easy to say, well, you got to say no. Yep. But how does that actually work? It's tough. And that's freedom.
0: It's a balance. It's a balance all the time. It's tough. All right, yeah. Chuck, this has been awesome. Just, sure. I mean, so much uh, yeah. value, encouragement, fun, energy. Uh, for anybody listening who wants to get in touch with you, follow you on social media like I do, uh, where do they go? Where's the best place them to go?
1: They can just go at Chuck Balsamo on everything. And they can find me at my website has information about what I'm doing, chuckbalsamo.com. And just like you, you have consulting and mastermind. So I can imagine if anybody has the privilege of jumping into anything that you're a part of, they're going to benefit from that significantly. I've just launched masterminds. Same with you, man. Same another, with you. It's another topic. I never thought I was going to love masterminds like I do. I literally feel like with each mastermind, I'm creating, yeah. literally I'm curating a super brain. And the level of synergy, I just never imagined synergy could function like that. So, yeah, I love I've masterminds.
0: Been masterminds, been a masterminds for, yeah. Yeah, I've been in masterminds for three years. I, I, I love it. Uh, yeah. I get so much from it. Uh, this is Okay, this has been awesome. And I know that your mastermind is going to be awesome. Final, final question related to social media. The, this is the postscript question. You and I have been following each other on Instagram. Uh, I just sent you a connection request on LinkedIn because we weren't connected. You sent me a connection request on Facebook, but we weren't able to connect because you're maxed out on friends. Can we be friends on Facebook? So
1: what I've got to do is I need someone (laughs) to volunteer. If you're following me on Facebook, I need you to volunteer to bow out so that Andy can jump in for a little while. That's the way we'll accomplish I don't
0: want to, I don't think I'm better than anybody else, but maybe somebody be like, you know, I'm kind of done. With you know,
1: Facebook, I hate the way Facebook does that. I, I did yeah. the Facebook page now and I'm trying to communicate on the Facebook page. You know, the, the, the profile, you yeah. know, has 5,000 limit. And, and it's,
0: it's silly. It's confusing. First
1: thing, I got to wait until I say something maybe that somebody doesn't agree with. And then they unfollow me. That yeah. happened. I lose about three followers a week or so. And then, and then what I do is I go to the friend request list and I'm like, Oh, I've been, what, there's Andy, you know, and I just <laughs> add a few people, you know, <laughs> I get an inbox I noticed you added more people why didn't you add me you know
0: <laughs> yeah it, it's all right it's a strange it's a strange world all right Chuck this has been awesome thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, I will talk to you later
1: thanks man so good to be here